0: Welcome to the Blind Justice Podcast, where you discover the insider secrets of injury and accident cases, and all of your law questions get answered. Now, here's your host, Chicago injury lawyer, Scott DeSalvo. Hey guys, here we are back again for another Blind Justice Podcast, and, um... Still, I don't have my co-host. So you're going to have to suffer through one more podcast, uh, with me talking solo. Um, but, you know, I want to make sure it's somebody who is going to be dependable, who is like into it, really wants to do it, isn't just doing it for the bucks and, and, you know, that I have good chemistry with. So I think the only thing worse than inflicting, um, uh, me on you would be to inflict me and somebody that I'm not getting along with or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, you know, I want it. The key for me is like a lot of this stuff is dry and boring. And when I was thinking about starting a podcast, the last thing I wanted to do was start a podcast that was dry and boring. Like who wants to listen to a lawyer talk for three minutes, you know, let alone 20 minutes or 15 minutes. On a topic that I get jazzed about, but if it's not giving you good information and it's not entertaining you while you listen, nobody's going to listen, right? And if nobody listens, that defeats the point. Like to me, getting the information out to people is so important because the truth is a lot of this stuff about injury cases, it's basic stuff that either makes the case or breaks the case. But it's basic stuff that unless you're in this business, there's no way for you to know, right? And we don't want you to learn it when you're in a case and then your case gets screwed up. You know, I'd rather have people have this information up front because God knows insurance companies have lawyers on their staff, you know, from day one on these claims. They've got like checklists on how to screw people's cases up. So you, you know, you deserve this information too, Um if you, if you have a case, you should talk to a lawyer, though, because every case is different. So anyway, um, you know, today's topic, I want to talk to you about nursing home cases. Um, but um, the reason why is, you know, I've got some nursing home cases in my office and um, a buddy of mine, good friend, fantastic trial lawyer. Um, he's licensed in Indiana and Illinois. I don't want to give you his name yet because I want to try and get him on the podcast and interview him. About his trial, you know how it went. Um, I can tell you he had a lot of success, but I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. I want to give uh, him the opportunity to tell you the story. But um, you know, I consulted with him. He brought me in on the case to help pick a jury and uh, to. I would say one of my strengths on these cases um, is I'm I'm really good at simplifying the case. So. I think something that's really true is when you go to trial on these cases, or even if you're doing a settlement conference or a mediation or an arbitration, the more complicated the case is, I feel like uh you're giving the defense a better chance to win. To me, I think what you got to do on these cases is distill them down into what the fundamental thing is. What did the defense do wrong? What is the injury and loss? Like you got to focus in and, and, you know don't use a thousand words if 10 will do like i think the days of of people wanting to sit in a courtroom and listen to a lawyer for a week are over people want you to get to the point and they want you to be straight with them so it's it's actually hard for lawyers to do that uh, me and my lawyer friends talk about it all the time like you sit down you try to write a brief summary of a case you read it a day later and it's like wow all these big words way too many sentences like that's so anyway my my buddy called me in on his uh, nursing home case and I helped him with some focus groups and jury selection and what to argue and what to focus on and all that stuff and then he had tremendous success at trial he's a great guy I hope I can get him on the podcast so a little bit later in the show we're gonna talk about nursing home cases and some of the things that you can do to protect your loved ones even if they don't have a case and then what to do if you do have a case, there's a couple of steps you got to take to uh, really, you know, kind of protect your loved ones, you know, if that's the case. But before we get to that, I'm going to talk, you know, it was a news story that I just saw in the news here in Chicago, and I want to talk to you about that because I've been getting a lot of phone calls on this topic, too. The topic is people being attacked on a CTA bus or train. So when we come back, we will um, talk about the train attack situation, train attack injuries on the CTA. And then after a little bit later in the show, we will talk about um, we'll talk about nursing homes. Okay. So stay tuned and we will uh, be right back. Hey guys, welcome back. So, uh, first thing I want to address with you is the, um, this attack on a train. So the headline is college student says she was attacked on train while witnesses watched. And this is from, uh, NBC.com. A 19 year old college student in Chicago was returning home from a morning class Thursday when she said she was attacked by two people on a Chicago blue line train, all while witnesses sat and watched. Um, the reason I'm bringing this up is because, you know, there was a, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, there was that situation where that bartender, uh, also got attacked, uh, outside the 7-Eleven and then got run over by a cab and people passed by and like went through his pockets. Um, and then he got run over a cab and died. But, you know, the other reason why I want to talk about uh, this is because, you know, I have gotten, I kid you not, four or five phone calls. In the last month or so from people who call me and say, I was physically attacked by somebody on the CTA train. They attacked me. They stole my bag and beat me up or they beat me up and went through my pockets and nobody on the train helped me. Nobody on the train did anything and the CTA didn't do anything. And what, what do I have recourse against the CTA? And so it's, I think it's a really interesting question. Um, here's how that law works. If you have, um, you know, if the owner of a property has reason to believe that, um, their, their property is dangerous and there's been a lot of attacks in a particular area, then you may be able to maintain a negligence claim against them for not taking steps to protect the, the the people right the other way is um, the other way you might be able to do it is if a company knows that there's a security risk on their property and then they take unreasonable steps to protect people um, that can also be negligence uh, you know if you relied on those faulty security measures and those faulty security measures failed to, protect you against violence from a third party that may be uh, a possibility here's the problem though um as far as i know right now the cta makes no effort to offer security on its trains and i know that once upon a time there were more chicago police on the trains than there are now should probably go back to it but i i'm reasonably certain, I don't ride the train as much as I used to, but I'm reasonably certain that the CTA does not provide security or make any attempts to give security or give anybody the impression that they're providing security because they know what the law is. They don't want to get sued for hiring security guards who then don't do their job, right? Now, if if we could prove that, let's say, uh, in the last year, there have been 15 attacks on this blue line in this location at this time of night on the CTA, and that the CTA knew about it and didn't do anything about it. You might be able to have a case. But do you see how specific we have to be? So, like, if you got attacked on a red line train, somebody else got attacked on a green line train and this young lady got tracked on a blue attacked on a blue line train. The CTA's response, they're gonna ask the court to dismiss the case. CTA's response is going to be, hey, um how are we supposed to have a are we supposed to have a security guard on every car, on every train, on every train route? It's complete that's completely unreasonable. Um but if you can prove, for example, A lot of attacks have occurred at a particular CTA station, and CTA knew about it. Um, You know, you might be able to prove it. Now, as a practical matter, can a lawyer file a lawsuit and do discovery and get that information? The answer is yes. But the CTA doesn't just pony up information, even during a lawsuit. They give you half answers. They object to any questions you ask, and it turns into a big fight. That kind of thing is expensive. So honestly, if somebody mugs you and beats you up and you don't have serious, permanent, severe injuries, it may not make economic sense for a lawyer even to take the case because it could be, you know, a hundred hours of lawyer time trying to find out about other accidents, other incidents, security provisions, because the CTA is going to fight you every step of the way. Um. It it, You know, so your case may or may not be a case. If you have any questions about it, absolutely give me a call at the office, um, you know, or you can send me an email via service at DeSalvoLaw.com. If you have a question you'd like to have answered on the podcast, absolutely send me an email with a podcast question in the subject line and then ask your question and I will answer it right here on this very podcast. So, um Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's the way it breaks down with a lot of these cases. Uh, it comes down to how serious the injury is and how much time and money the lawyer's got to put in the case. So I hope that answers some of your questions. I think it's horrible that it seems like these attacks and, and bystanders just stand there and watch it happen. I think that's horrible. I I'd like to think that if I was in that situation and I saw somebody being attacked, I'd want to step in. But on the other hand, you know, I can understand people being afraid of some crazy, right? So horrible, horrible people don't attack each other. Um, so after the break, we'll talk about nursing home abuse cases. And we'll talk about uh, the ways you can protect your loved ones if they're in a nursing home, and what to do if you suspect abuse, neglect, or injury at a nursing home. So hang out and we'll be right back. So welcome back, folks. Uh, you know we're going to blast through this nursing home segment here because nursing home cases are super complicated. Uh, if you suspect a, uh, the first thing I want to tell you is that if you suspect abuse or neglect for your loved one, there are federal laws and state laws which lay out the care that nursing homes must give to people, and almost every nursing home when they take a patient in. They review their pre-existing conditions and their risk factors, and they accept the patient. And by accepting the patient, what they're telling you and your family is that they feel competent to handle and care for your loved one, even though they have these problems, X, Y, Z, right? And so if they say that they can, and they're accepting the money to care for your loved one, there's a standard that they have to hold to, and that standard does not allow them to hurt your loved one or let your loved one develop bed sores or anything like that. So if you're in that situation, absolutely call a lawyer. Absolutely give me a call. I'd love to talk to you about it and help you answer any questions or even take the case. So what's the first thing we need to talk about? The first thing I'm going to tell you is if you are concerned about your loved one's treatment at a nursing home, but there hasn't been an injury or an incident, but you're afraid that there might be. This is what I'm going to tell you, and I know it's hard to do because we're all so busy with our schedules, but honest to goodness, the more you and your family members and your friends visit your loved one at the nursing home, believe me, the nursing home staff notices, and they notice that you're on top of it, your family's on top of it, and they're going to know that they can't mistreat your loved one. This is a horrible thing to say, I wish it weren't true, but it's important for you to know this. People in a nursing home who never get a visitor or almost never get a visitor. Some of these staff members note that, and when they're having a bad day, they take it out on the people who they are not uh, who they know there's nobody watching that person's back. There's no family member visiting consistently. So if your loved one is at an iffy nursing home or you have any concern, Get in there and visit frequently. Enlist your friends to swing by. Like, look, if you could get three or four friends to visit your mother or father for five minutes once a month, and then you go in there once a week or once every other week, that means they're going to have, like, what, uh, four plus three, seven to ten visitors a month. And the staff is going to note that. And they're going to be like, okay, okay we got to take care of this person cuz we don't want complaints we don't want to get fired we don't want to get reported so it's horrible we want to say that everybody uh, is going to get good care but it's true that the squeaky wheel gets the grease now i'm not telling you to go to the nursing home and raise hell right I, i'm i'm not saying that like you i'm definitely a fan of you get more flies with honey than you do with vinegar so i always advocate being respectful at the nursing home being respectful of the staff. But just them knowing that you're there and asking questions respectfully or addressing things with the staff respectfully, they're going to like you better and they're going to treat your loved one better. It's really true. I wish it weren't. Get in there and see them. If you see something, report it, okay? That's like your best move, right? Now, the next thing I want to talk to you is If, God forbid, there is a problem with your loved one, you go in there, they're not responsive. They look like they're not eating or drinking. You move them and they have a bed sore on their heels or their lower back in their butt area or anywhere else. Or they have bruising. Um, You know, there have been circumstances where residents, you know, the, the staff at a nursing home, they get a belligerent older person and they'll punch them you know, and that's inexcusable. So if you're seeing weird bruising or anything like that, or if you get a call from the nursing home and they say, oh, well, she fell or he fell, red flag. Look, they they know they're dealing with people who have mobility problems. It is their job to ensure your loved one is not falling. So if any of that kind of thing happens, there's two things you got to do, actually three. But let's talk about them in order. The first thing you need to do If you are seeing abuse or neglect or a real injury, like a bed sore, like a broken bone, God forbid an infection, or, you know, the worst outcome, your loved one passes away, anything like that, you must call the Illinois Department of Public Health. You can get on their website. Um, darn it. I meant to bring my, uh, uh, the phone number here, but you can, you can call the Illinois Department of Public Health or you can, go to the Illinois Department of Public Health's phone, uh, website and get their phone number. And literally, you report that, that nursing home. The state of Illinois will do an investigation of what happened. And that, um, that report often will become a roadmap for us in deciding what happened, who did it, how could it have been prevented, and is it something that we can file a lawsuit over. So, um, you know, nursing homes can only operate with licensing. And so when the, the Illinois, uh, state of Illinois gets involved, they, they get, uh, they get concerned. And the state of Illinois, uh, Department of Public Health has a specific division that investigates nursing homes that hurt, uh, people who are in the nursing home. So by all means, you know, if you have any concerns and there is a real injury and a real issue, by all means report it. Because uh, the state of Illinois actually takes this stuff seriously and they will get out there and get to the bottom of it. Now, if you take that step, if you take that step, I would encourage you to consider moving your loved one to a different nursing home. Because, again, um, it's human nature. You know, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. If you report that nursing home and there's some bad people working there, you don't want your loved one to, to have it taken out on them, right? You don't want the staff at the nursing, oh, those SOBs reported us. Well, I'll, I'll show them. You don't, you don't want to run that risk. Now, the chances of that happening probably pretty low. They're probably going to be freaking out and, and giving even better care if they get reported because they don't want to lose their license and they don't want to lose their job. But, You know, if you know you've got an ongoing situation in a nursing home, and if it's at all possible, consider getting your loved one out of there. It's just not worth running the risk. The last thing is, if there is a fall, a bruise, a broken bone, a surgery, a bed sore, whatever it is, talk to a lawyer. You know, these cases are, pardon me, these cases are actionable, and they're also very complex, and it takes a lawyer to really evaluate whether you've got an actionable case or not and you know that it one of the reasons why i like um handling nursing home cases even though they're heartbreaking you know some of the treatment that these people get at these nursing homes break breaks my heart and some nursing homes do a great job you know a lot of the people who work at nursing homes are angels you know they do a great job they really care about what they're doing They realize how important what they're doing is. But unfortunately, there's a lot of bad apples and a lot of bad owners of nursing homes who really only care about the dollar. And they, you know, they, they have almost no regard for what they're doing for the people who are in the nursing home. And those are the people, the reason I like handling nursing home cases is other than infants, newborn children, who almost everybody treats with tender care. When people get older and sick, when in a person's life have they been more vulnerable? You know, a lot of our loved ones get so sick and they've got so many problems that we can't care for them at home. Or it might be a financial thing. Like everybody is a two-income house here. Or if you're a single parent or a single, you know, you're a single person who works all the time and you've got a loved one who needs you know, more care than it's even physically possible for you to give, sometimes the nursing home is your only option. And you trust them. You entrust your loved ones to these nursing homes. And these nursing homes accept them as a patient and a resident, which means they're raising their hand and saying, yes, we can care for your loved one and keep them safe. And then when they don't, it is a betrayal, a world-class betrayal and just you know seeing the way that's the the bad apples treat the elderly and the ill with such disregard they don't even tr- some of these places don't even treat them half human Th- that's those are the cases i can really sink my teeth into because i like to catch the bad apples and i like to make the bad apples pay for what they do and preferably drive them out of business and get rid of the bad apples it's a very important part of you know, personal injury law is making the bad apples pay and driving them out of the business. So, sorry if I'm getting a little strident there, but I—the idea of 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 sick or helpless people being treated horribly at a nursing home really just gets me going. So, um, I hope this information I gave you helps. If you have any questions, by all means, give me a call. You can call me at the office at three one two. extension 8 or extension 1. Somebody will uh, pick up at my office. Or you can call me toll-free at 888-HERT-318. That's 888-HERT-318- 888-4878-318. And uh, that's my 24-hour toll-free number. You can call anytime, night or day, uh, during the week or weekends, and we'll get an operator on the phone. And then they email me the message and Either I call you back or I have one of my staff call you back, depending on what I'm up to. But happy to give you a free consultation, talk about your situation. Um, It was nice chatting with you. Hopefully, we'll get the co-host going so you don't have to listen to my voice for the entire podcast. We'll get somebody else in here. And uh, I'm working on some more entertaining segments for the podcast. Thanks again for watching uh, or listening, I guess. And uh, have a great day. Take care. Thanks for listening. I truly hope that the information in the podcast helps you no matter the situation you find yourself in. But you might need more answers or some more direct help. So there are three ways for you easily to find out more and to get help. If you call my toll-free 24-hour helpline 888-hurt-318.